Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Route, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, J.C. Cole, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America coming to us from the middle of New Jersey, somewhere on a farm with a lot of equine, J.C. Cole. And all of his wisdom from Lafayette. Actually, I met with a friend of mine from the state of Washington who has a tie to somebody who was in Lafayette, left Lafayette, actually. The family left Lafayette by the time you got there. I think you had a bad impression or something. Uh, you know, I, I have been accused of that uh, by my uh, my friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, honestly, they were leaving about the same reason you were there, I think. But anyway. Well, you know, it, it, it's, the, you know, the mysteries of the mind on how humans make their decisions. I went over, you know, uh, I was looking for adventure mm-hmm. um, and, I, and I found it and uh, <laughs> I learned not to ask that question anymore. Um, and of course, they were looking for freedom in uh, a better life. Um, you know, and it's a, it's very interesting. Um, and of course, uh, I, I did my homework again and uh, um you know, that this is relevant to how we started the discussion. So what happened in 1944, October 13th in Latvia? Hmm. Now I understand people aren't great history buffs of Latvia. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to tell you. I can tell you that just about the time World War II is winding down, that's about all I know. That's correct. And uh, what, what ends up happening was the Soviet troops occupy Riga, the capital of Latvia, this day, 1944. Hmm. And they left 47 years later. I was trying to find some 47 tie, but I can't. It's just 47 is 47. Yeah. And, uh, and so, um, <clears throat> you know, that's when the, actually, technically they, they, uh, stayed for an extra year. So 1991, when the Soviet Union collapsed and Latvia became newly independent, along with Estonia, Lithuania, and, and Russia, um, they got out from underneath the Soviet um, control system. And um, it, it uh, you know, and, and so that's when I moved there about six months later in uh, 1992 in the Soviet army, actually the Soviet army broke up um, because there was no longer a Soviet union. So there were no longer 15 different countries involved and the majority of the army was Russian. So the Soviet army uh, became the Russian army and the Russian army still stayed in Latvia for another year while while I was there. So the, the Russian army was in Latvia uh, till August of 1993. Um, so, so I was there and they were there. <laughs> it was a very you, interesting time. Did you feel comforted by that or threatened? Um, neither. Um, you know, I, I first was, first was, unfortunately, as Americans, I keep on saying, we are just, um, very, you know, uh, wax on, on history. So, so I kind of first took it as, you know, these are the occupiers 
um, and they're still here. But then it started to make sense. You know, I was fortunate because I had such a high position, and so I ran into people of knowledge, you know, specifically, you know, the, like the U.S. ambassadors and, and things like that. And one of the issues was very simple. That Latvia is to the west of Russia. And the reason Stalin took Latvia, Estonia, and Lithuania was because it gave them access to the Baltic Sea. That uh, Russia has very little access to the Baltic Sea um, uh, in St. Petersburg or Leningrad. Right. And, and therefore, it froze during the 1940s and 50s. And so the Russian um, or the Soviet uh, Navy couldn't get out to the Atlantic Ocean easily. Russia's semi-landlocked. And so uh, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia all have uh, a large amount of coast, uh, coastal uh, land and, and ports. So, so the, um, Stalin took it for the ports and access to the, basically the Atlantic Ocean. Well, so, so there's two things that come to my mind when you talk about that, and I'll try to remember the second one while I talk about the first one. The most perplexing thing to me about World War II is the fact that Stalin is an ally, and he is working with Churchill and the United States, FDR, whoever the president was at the given time, to take down Germany and this power, which is... Uh, just trying to be ruthless, a tyranny. Everybody knows what the National Socialist Party was all about. While he was doing the same thing in Russia or the Soviet Union at the same time at home. So I'm perplexed in the fact that here he is fighting against Hitler while he's committing the same crimes at home. Uh, Basically correct. Um, It looked like, you know, I, I don't think, well, first, my opinion is we are just in a continuation of World War II um, at this right. time, and that um, the Americans, as being American, we've been brainwashed not to be able to identify it. You know, we, you know, one of the things that uh, happened with me is I turned off my TV in 1988, and in 1992, four years later, I moved out of the country. So I moved out of the big fishbowl, right? And I looked back. And, and, you know, after years out, I could recognize as a giant fishbowl swimming and, and, and Americans are swimming in Kool-Aid. You're swimming in the propaganda being promoted by mainstream media and, and Hollywood. Right. And you don't know it. Right. Because you're inside the fishbowl. And I was outside the fishbowl. Right. And I'm like, whoa, check this out. What's going on here? And one of the things that they do is they, they program us, and by the way, TV, you know, they call it programming for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> right? They program, I never thought about that. They program us, right, to believe that we're educated and smart. Every right? station has a programmer, whether it's radio or TV, they have a programmer. That's right. And, 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 and where was the first time really television was used? It was used in uh, Nazi Germany by Hitler. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so you sit there and you watch 
you know, and, and uh, you know, it was amazing. I left in 92. And at that time, there was this, um, this show called Baywatch where you had Pam, Pamela Anderson, this beautiful, gorgeous, you know, voluptuous blonde running along the beach of California, saving people as a lifeguard. I don't remember the lifeguards I, I'm looking at. I, I, can, I can see that visual made an impact on you. Yes. And then I, I come back in, in, in 2010, and what do I see? Snooky in the Jersey Shore. And I'm like, what yeah. happened to TV? I don't even know what that is. But Pamela Anderson was working against you while you were gone, but that's beside the point. Yeah. So, so anyway, it, it came down to you know, that uh, I, I started to get this knowledge about World War II and, and let's say, the ending of that chapter of it. The ending of the, uh, you know, that chapter was Lithuania, Estonia, Latvia became free mm-hmm. uh, again. And, um, you know, and, and I got to experience 18 years of the damage that the Soviet system created on, on a people. Um, it was stunning how much damage it did. And, 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 and that looks like the perfect place to say that we will continue to talk about the damage. And I will try to retain that second thought that I had as we were walking through that Stalin and the other part. But first, I want to remind you about Lone Creek Cattle Company and the opportunity for you to be a benefit to your own pocketbook. And that is produce a specific quality of beef. In this case, the Piedmontese Sires tender beef. The consumer wants tender beef time and time again. And you need to be a part of the supply chain if you're in the Great Plains and a cattleman. Get more details about Great Plains Beef Company by going to the website, LoneCreekCattleCo.com. Marlon Will is the man that you want to talk to. We'll be back with more J.C. Cole and Roll Route after this. One other thing that I want to let you know about that I'm pretty excited about, continuing to add to the arsenal of getting the information out and identifying the people that are doing wonderful things. Trent on the loose will be coming to Beck Television Now, depending on where you live, you might be saying, how do I get Beck Television? It doesn't matter whether you have it on your TV or not. It will be available on an app. I'll be sharing that every single day. It's a 30-minute TV program, typically broken up into three parts. A little monologue, a thought for the day from me, and then uh, one or two interviews talking about breast cancer, talking about food production, talking about preserving our energy supply, all of those things that we talk about with J.C. Cole right here. Trent on the loose coming to Beck Television Monday, October 18th. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Loose alongside J.C. Cole joining us from New Jersey where it is listed, I think Forbes magazine listed it as the second leading state in the nation for people exiting in the last two years, second only to, do you know what state they leave more than New Jersey? I would say California. Yeah, that's not even on the top 10 list, amazingly. Oh, really? Yeah. New York? Uh, No. No, not Nebraska. (laughs) No, no, that's number one for businesses moving to in the last two years. Right. Illinois. Huh. Illinois has the largest exodus of people, according to Forbes magazine, in the past two years. Wow. Well, you know, it's a redistribution out of the 
um, the cities, the democratically controlled cities, and New Jersey is nothing but a big city. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you have to start to wonder, how is it that we keep on getting governors that were uh, vice presidents of, of um, oh, not J.P. Morgan, the other one, um, Goldman Sachs? I mean, isn't that a coincidence that we keep on getting governors that were vice presidents of Goldman Sachs? Not really. If half the state works for Goldman Sachs, they vote for who they know. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, you, you, I'm not sure half the state works. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Yeah, I can't top that one. Right, but you know, if we if we look at this this again, this war, this conflict, we had this conflict between socialist uh, Nazis and communist um, uh, uh, Soviet Soviets. And we got in there, and it looked like to be able to beat this this incredible, um, uh, how would you say, industrial might of, of uh, the Nazis, we had to join with the socialists to, um, um, I'm, I'm sorry, join with the communists to defeat them, right? Well, one of the things that, you know, I wanted to look at is that if you looked at the tactics of both the Soviets and the Nazis, they used the majority of influence as the point of the gun. You know, that, that you, you basically got shot. Correct. Comply and, or you uh, will die. And that if you, if you take, if you look at everything that they did and you remove the point of the gun, so that they have to influence and persuade you to take action. Then that's what's being applied to us at this point. In other words, they went to a passive way of persuasion. You know, the Nazis experimented on people with drugs. Well, here we're, we have 50% of the people taking an experimental drug, but by choice. They, they use persuasion to, to get people to do it. Fear, not, not persuasion. Persuasion through fear. Well, yes, that's that's one of the, the largest motivators in life. Absolutely. Fear. And um, and so if you actually look at it, there are many different forms of influence, and and uh, social proof is one of them, and that's being used on the American people to take this toxic injection. Mm-hmm. Oh well, you. You're you're harming the other people of the place. Well, that's social, you know, that's social proof. Um, um, and so, so if we actually look at it, we have the applications of everything that the Nazis and the Soviets done, but it's in a um, clandestine form. So, in an almost unrelated vein, I'm curious if you are um, aware of, and I, he just hit my radar this week, and now he's like. Every day, all day, that's what I'm thinking about because it, uh, I'm going back and reading the playbook of one Silvio Giselle. Oh, f- I, I did my homework. You sent me the link and I read up on it. Yes. And that, <clears throat> you know, he had a different form of monetary, be- or a different monetary belief, which I think might even have led into, um, not Keynesian, um, Friedman studied him, I think. Okay. Um, 
And and that opens up a real can of worms and a rabbit hole that goes very deep <clears throat> where uh, first is, the, you know, as Americans, we're not taught in our in our grade schools anything about monetary. I right. was I was, right. I was the chairman of a junior achievement in, in Latvia where we brought in to first grade to 12th grade. Mm-hmm. Um learnings on on basically monetary systems and capitalism and we don't teach it here in our own our own country which is just amazing to me you know and and part of it is what is the monetary system and when we start to dig down that goes way far back i mean that goes back to the sumerians just Um, for just for the viewers um Silvio Giselle, I think I'm saying Giselle, I think it is, G-E-S-E-L-L. He believed that uh, currency should have an expiration date. So if you've not spent it by December 20th, it expires. And his overall concept, and by the way, he did not believe in ownership of land. But his overall concept was that the conflict brews when people are able to hoard or accumulate wealth. Consequently, we should all be communists. Now. I blew apart in my column this week his whole concept of land ownership leads to conflict because the American Indians did not own land when we showed up, and you are hard-pressed to find something more um, ruthless than the warring tribes uh, pre-Columbus. It really wasn't Columbus. It was the pilgrims at at, uh, Plymouth Rock, but that that whole thing falls apart and land ownership does not lead to conflict. It's humans living leads to conflict. Yeah. Humans. Yeah. The conflict's in the humans. It's, it's not in the <laughs> systems. It's in the humans. Because yeah. if you look at every system there is, right. It almost, almost all of them have conflict. And, and so I'd say it's in the humans. Um, and yeah, we, we get back into that monetary issue, and it is it is just uh, complex. So you get to gold. Well, gold doesn't have an expiration date. Neither does silver. But if you actually get into well, it. It kind of does. When you're in a gas station and you have a gold piece and the gas attendant doesn't know what it is, I guess it's expired. Well, no, he he just didn't recognize it as an expiration date, right? Which is part of the education system of our country. Right. But but it literally goes back all the way to the Sumerians, the gold, okay. and and we we won't dig that far back. But now we have Columbus. And by the way, what was it? Columbus found um, found the New World. What was it? Uh, October the twelfth, or something. It was sometime this October week. October twelfth. He sailed the ocean blue in 1792, right? 17? No, 1492. What was I saying? Right. Yeah, right. Right after yeah, independence. He got here Day. just after the revolution. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So our dates are a little mixed up today. Let's, let's move on. I love to look no. on your face. 17? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm paying attention. Yeah, so um, you passed. You passed the test. <laughs> so 
if we we have our history hidden from us, not just America as humans, we know like the you know the um, uh, Library of Alexandria was burnt. But what we don't know is that uh, they went in and they stole all the important books or they confiscated all the important books and they probably ended up in the Vatican Library by surprise. And, of course, we're not allowed into the Vatican Library because it might tell us some things that we'd really like to know. But if we look at the history of our territories, right, it looks like there are Egyptian artifacts in the Grand Canyon. Really? Yes. And, of course, they don't want you to know that, right? Because that removes all this stuff about Columbus. But, yeah, and that apparently there's a huge amount of gold in the Grand Canyon. But that was made a national park, which I actually believe in. I've been there and, and really enjoy it. And you're not allowed to go in there and mine the gold. We have tons of minerals and valuables all throughout this nation that we're not allowed to go mine and put into of use from, from coast to coast. Yeah. Uh, hold on, JC. I have to do this at this time. Protect the Harvest is working to prevent you from losing your property rights and doing that through acquiring information, a network of information, and making sure that you have access to that information. That's what it's all about. And putting the focus back on the people that take care of land and livestock to improve the planet and improve human health. Protecttheharvest.com to get full details. And you know what? If you sent 25 bucks, that'd be nice too. Protecttheharvest.com. We'll be back with more Rural Route. Second half after this. Welcome back. Rural Route. Trent Luce alongside J.C. Cole joining us from New Jersey. Uh, we were, I've sent a text earlier to a friend of mine in the custom harvesting business. I meant to get a hold of her, uh, yesterday before you and I talked, but I just thought of it again this morning. You said that we need to get a satellite phone so that when it goes dark, we can still communicate with those that we care about. What, why they'll take out the satellite too, if they really want to tear up communication. Well, that's a good lead into prepping because there is no hundred percent solution for everything for anything really um you know like you could store all the food you want but you know if you put it in the wrong location then it's not going to be there or somebody could take it so there's never a hundred forget where you buried it yes yes um and so so if you look at telecommunications the same thing applies uh that uh the satellite phones are the highest have the highest probability of working so so we we don't have an awful lot of information meaning us normal peasants um mm-hmm. down the totem pole uh on on satellites but the governments need the satellites also so oh. doubtful that they'll turn off the total satellite right and that <clears throat> So they might have to, and very few people have satellite phones. So it's it's kind of more of an inconvenience to them to turn it off. You know, you have you know 
well, geez, how many, you know, you know, hundreds of people. How many have a satellite phone? I've only ever seen one in my life. Well, you're looking at one. Oh, damn. Two. Uh, two. I no, I've, I've not seen one, uh, that one. But I went uh, two times to uh, an island Kodiak, off of Kodiak Island, Sherikoff Island, trying to figure out how to round up cows, wild cows, which I ultimately decided was not a good idea. But on that island, our only communication was a satellite phone. So that's my only experience. Yeah. And so, so what happens with a satellite phone is that it has the highest probability of continuing to work. Mm-hmm. That, that's it. And and it's the same thing like uh, on a lesser degree, you know, you have a diesel, I have a diesel, and, and the rest of the public sector has unleaded gasoline. So when there's no unleaded gasoline, they stop, but you and I keep on going. Um, and, and that this, again, the cellular system is so easy to take down. And, the, and unfortunately, our electric grid is incredibly easy to take down. And you have to really look into it and say, well, how is it that we're spending? Well, well we just spent ten trillion on this um, this pandemic issue, and they're looking to spend another three point five trillion, but they couldn't spend five or ten billion to harden the grid, right? And the grid is what protects us the most. So, so something's I, I, wrong. I can- I can give you that answer because I've posed that question at uh, my own local public power meetings. They have been convinced that there is nothing that can take down the grid. Yeah, right. Yeah. And um, that's, well, what do you call it? Bovine Bovine fecal matter. matter. Right. I call road apples. It's a lot easier to remember. Right. Well, you have horses making road apples. Yes. Uh, The other thing that you brought up is apparently as of 2024, you and I will have more access to gasoline because it will be illegal for off-road uses in California after this week. That's gasoline and chainsaws. You know, now um, that's very interesting. Um, what is the replacement for a chainsaw? What what exactly do they have on, on that two-stroke engine? By the way, you know that they did make a diesel chainsaw? No, I did not, but I want the, the one. Swedes, the Swedes made it a long time ago, although you have some incredible biceps. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little large, is it? <laughs> it's just a tad heavy. I've heard of only one guy. I found a chainsaw expert up in the mountains of Pennsylvania who has one. I never saw it. And I go, boy, a diesel chainsaw. But it's got to be monstrous. Right. So what are they going to do? Because the electric chainsaws are okay. They work on little things. But, you know, you've got to cut a a 24-inch or 36-inch tree with an electric saw i don't think it's going to happen and and what's most interesting about that and you obviously are pointing it out is they talked about off-road vehicles or off-road gasoline use is what is banned in 2024 but they went out of the way to mention chainsaws and we had no no effective alternative you know how how big is the battery you have to be to replace we play, say, you know, a, well, a, you know, a steel 
two-stroke. Furthermore, what what are they going to use to charge the battery if they ban coal and they ban gas? What's going to fuel their electricity? And so, so as I said in the beginning of this, you know, we have a clandestine war on our energy systems, and and they're they're killing our jobs, they're killing our cash flows. They're you know this we and we basically have been taken over by a mixture of communists and socialists, right? And if you actually look into, of course, my famous recommendation of read the book, The Rise of the Fourth Reich, President Reagan, it was my understanding that President Reagan started to uh, harden the electric grid and that uh, President Bush, uh, Bush uh, Sr., stopped it. And Bush Sr. is clearly linked to the Nazi Party. Clearly. Historically. His father, Prescott Bush, was arrested and convicted by the United States government for funding the, the Nazi Party and had his assets confiscated. This is history. Why do Americans don't know that? Yeah. I didn't know that part. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's not like a, this isn't a, a conspiracy theory. This is history. <laughs> he was, you know, they were funding it through the Union Bank in uh, New York, and uh, the U.S. government confiscated. That's where the whole trading with the enemy act was put in place. All right, now you've given me more homework assignments. I'm going to go research that more thoroughly. Right, not so because anyway, I is- not because I doubt you. I just want to have a better total grasp of the picture. Yeah, and so if you keep things clandestine, people don't don't see it. And then when somebody pops up like, hey, wait a minute, uh, the assassination of JFK, you know, the guy couldn't have hit him with that rifle. You know, it was an antique, tiny little rifle, um, you know, that, that the experts couldn't have hit a moving target. You right. go, hey, that's a conspiracy theory. What are you saying? No, 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 that's evidence. And I'm saying that's impossible to do. You know, it's the same thing as flying. Flying, a, well, flying think, a 757 into the Pentagon when you failed your Cessna test. Um, well, it's not like it's a coyote running. It was a car going through a parade at 8 miles or 12 miles an hour. Yeah, but it was a couple hundred yards away. <laughs> Get a good scope. <laughs> Get a good scope, right. <clears throat> so... All right, so in the last three minutes, you better give us a little more. Uh, yeah, I, I got to tell you, the one thing that you've got my head spinning the most on is what my alternative energy supply is. And I haven't, I haven't come up with the right answer yet. Well, let's get to that because, you know, oh, is this the third session or fourth session? You, no, we have three minutes and it was like, see you, sayonara. Okay, well, we got to do the prepping. And one of the things that you, you know, uh, uh, you got to prepare for power outages, and that's generator with diesel. Um, and make sure you get your hookup already. You know where your electrician goes, so you can tie into your box. And and um, for those who have a tractor, start to look for PTO generators, right? So you have redundancy. And and, and now I've heard that there's a shortage of PTO generators out there, which is it's a hint, right? That um, people are preparing, and of course. Um, Let's see. Oh, yeah. Uh, that will take too long. Uh, wood stove. Right? That's a, just if you have a wood stove, at least you have the ability to create heat. Right? And of course, if you're in, uh, 
California, they'll ban chainsaws, but the rest of us still can cut wood. Right. And uh, so, so time out. I have several wood cutting mechanisms that do not involve a chainsaw and also are beneficial to cardiovascular health. That's true. And I have those too. Yeah. But uh, you can see I'm still a little overweight, so I don't use them. You're, you don't look nearly as overweight as you did previous to about a, two months ago. That's true also. Yeah. I did not just say you're overweight. What I said was, you're looking a little gant. That's what I said. Right, right, right. I thin down. I wonder how that happens when you stop eating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, seriously, I have a half a dozen chainsaws. And, honestly, I prefer to use them. It's just you never have time to do it. You always want to be in a hurry. Uh, now, I did yeah, not I, mean chainsaws. I did not mean chainsaws. I mean hand saws. Right, right. So I have, you know, I picked them up at the antique, you know, flea markets and things like that. The the old two-man uh, uh, saw. By the way, that's very interesting is a saw is a special type of uh, steel. And and uh, if the, the supply chain shuts down, you know, we won't be able to make that steel. You just gave me a great idea for a TV segment. Okay. Stopping at antique stores and seeing what traffic is doing in the last six months. Is the traffic increasing at antique stores? I don't think so. You don't think people are paying attention even at that level? Well, it's hard to say, but, you know, um, you know, it, it's, it's hard to say what, what, what all of the patterns are because you haven't, you haven't totally disrupted your, your patterns. You may have changed them 20%, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and 80, 20. Yeah. And one of the important things to have is, is a, is a redundancy is a, a set of files, metal files. Right. And, and the reason why is <clears throat> if you look at almost everything we have, uh, it's either wood or metal. And one of the ways to uh, shape metal is with a filing system. And, th- and they're very hard to make. You can't make a, in, in general, a blacksmith can't make files, right? Because of the type of steel they are. So they will be in short supply. So you're thinking I'm going to saw enough wood that I need to sharpen this chainsaw. That's what you think? No, I think that you should spend the 12 bucks and get a good set of files just in case. (laughs) That'll do it. We have filed our way through four segments, a full hour with discussion about J.C. Cole. You know, we provide the information. Actually, he provides the information. I just push the buttons. It still falls upon you to act, to prepare yourself for just worst case scenario how about that your family's dependent upon it right all roads and hope for the best all roads do lead to a roll route welcome back roll route trent loose alongside jc cole joining us from new jersey uh we were i've sent a text earlier to a friend of mine in the custom harvesting business i meant to get a hold of her uh yesterday before you and i talked but i just thought of it again this morning you said that we need to get a satellite phone so that when it goes dark we can still communicate with those that we care about what why they'll take out the satellite too if they really want to tear up communication well that's a good lead into prepping because there is no hundred percent solution for everything for anything really 
um, you know, like you could store all the food you want, but, you know, if you put it in the wrong location, it's not going to be there. Or somebody could take it. So there's never a hundred percent. forget where you buried it. Yes. Yes. Um, and so, so if you look at telecommunications, the same thing applies. Uh, that, uh, the satellite phones are the highest, have the highest probability of working. So, so we, we don't have an awful lot of information, meaning us normal peasants, um, mm-hmm. down the totem pole, uh, on, on satellites, but the governments need the satellites also. So oh. doubtful that they'll turn off the total satellite. Right. And that, so they might have to, and very few people have satellite phones. So it's, it's kind of more of an inconvenience to them to turn it off. You know, you have, you know, well, geez, how many, you know, you know, hundreds of people, how many have a satellite phone? I've only ever seen one in my life. Well, you're looking at one. Oh, damn. Two. Uh, two. No, I have, I've not seen one, uh, that one. But I went uh, two times to uh, an island Kodiak, off of Kodiak Island, Shirkoff Island, trying to figure out how to round up cows, wild cows, which I ultimately decided was not a good idea. But on that island, our only communication was a satellite phone. So that's my only experience. Yeah. And so, so what happens with a satellite phone is that it has the highest probability of continuing to work. Mm-hmm. That, that's it. And, and it's the same thing, like, uh, on a lesser degree, you know, you have a diesel, I have a diesel and and the rest of the public sector has unleaded gasoline. So when there's no unleaded gasoline, they stop, but you and I keep on going. Um, and, and that this, again, the cellular system is so easy to take down and the, and unfortunately our electric grid is incredibly easy to take down. And you have to really look into it and say, well, how is it that we're spending? Well, well we just spent ten trillion on this um, this pandemic issue, and they're looking to spend another three point five trillion, but they couldn't spend five or ten billion to harden the grid, right? And the grid is what protects us the most. So, so something's I, I, wrong. I can- I can give you that answer because I've posed that question at uh, my own local public power meetings. They have been convinced that there is nothing that can take down the grid. Yeah, right. Yeah, and um, that's, well, what do you call it? Bovine bovine fecal fecal matter. matter. Right. I call it road apples. It's a lot easier to remember. Right. Well, you have horses making road apples. Yes. Uh, The other thing that you brought up is apparently as of 2024, you and I will have more access to gasoline because it will be illegal for off-road uses in California after this week. That's gasoline and chainsaws. You know, now um, that's very interesting. Um, what is the replacement for a chainsaw? What, what exactly do they have on, on that two stroke engine? By the way, you know that they did make a diesel chainsaw? No, I did not, but I want one. The Swedes made it a long time ago, although you'd have some incredible biceps. 
<laughs> <laughs> it's a little large, is it? <laughs> it's just a tad heavy. I've heard of only one guy. I found a chainsaw expert up in the mountains of Pennsylvania who has one. I never saw it. And I go, boy, a diesel chainsaw. But it's got to be monstrous. Right. Yeah. So what are they going to do? Because the electric chainsaws are okay. They work on little things. But, you know, you've got you've to cut a 24-inch a or 36-inch tree with an electric saw. I don't think it's going to happen. And, and what's most interesting about that, and you obviously are pointing it out, is they talked about off-road vehicles or off-road uh, gasoline use is what is banned in 2024. But they went out of the way to mention chainsaws. Yes. And we had no no effective alternative. You know, how, how big is the battery you have to be to replace, replace a, you know, a, well, a, a steel two-stroke? Furthermore, what, what are they going to use to charge the battery if they ban coal and they ban gas? What's going to fuel their electricity? And so, so, as I said in the beginning of this, you know, we have a clandestine war on our energy systems. And and they're they're killing our jobs. They're killing our cash flows. They're you know this we and we basically have been taken over by a mixture of communists and socialists, right? And if you actually look into, of course, the, the, my famous recommendation of read the book, The Rise of the Fourth Reich. President Reagan. It was my understanding that President Reagan started to uh, harden the electric grid. And that uh, President Bush, uh, Bush uh, Sr., stopped it. And Bush Sr. is clearly linked to the Nazi Party. Clearly. Historically. His father, Prescott Bush, was arrested and convicted by the United States government for funding the, the Nazi Party and had his assets confiscated. This is history. Why do Americans don't know that? Yeah. I didn't know that part. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's not like a, this isn't a, a conspiracy theory. This is history. <laughs> he was, you know, they were funding it through the Union Bank in uh, New York and uh, the U.S. government confiscated. That's where the whole Trading with the Enemy Act was put in place. All right. Now you've given me more homework assignments. I'm going to go research that more thoroughly. Right. Not so because anyway, I is, not because I doubt you. I just want to have a better total grasp of the picture. Yeah, and so if you keep things clandestine, people don't don't see it. And then when somebody pops up like, "Hey, wait a minute. Uh the assassination of JFK, you know, the guy couldn't have hit him with that rifle. You know, it was an antique tiny little rifle um, you know, that that the experts couldn't have hit a moving target." You right. go, hey, that's a conspiracy theory. What are you saying? No, 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 that's evidence, and I'm saying that's impossible to do. You know, it's the same thing as fly, flying a well, flying think, a seven fifty seven into the Pentagon when you failed your Cessna test. Um, well, it's not like it's a coyote running. It was a car going through a parade at eight miles or twelve miles an hour. Yeah, but it was a couple hundred yards away. <laughs> he had a good scope. 
<laughs> right. Get a good scope. Right. <clears throat> so. All right. So in the last three minutes, you better give us a little more. Uh, yeah, I, I got to tell you, the one thing that you've got my head spinning the most on is what my alternative energy supply is. And I haven't, I haven't come up with the right answer yet. Well, let's get to that because, you know, oh, is this the third session or fourth session? You, no, we have three minutes and it was like, see you, sayonara. Okay. Well, we got to do the prepping. And one of the things that you, you know, uh, uh, you got to prepare for power outages and that's generator with diesel. Um, and make sure you get your hookup already, you know, where your electrician goes so you can tie into your box and, and, um, for those who have a tractor, start to look for PTO generators, right? So you have redundancy, right? And, and now I've heard that there's a shortage of PTO generators out there, which is, it's a hint, right? That, um, people are preparing. And of course, um, let's see. Oh, yeah. Uh, that will take too long. Uh, wood stove, right? That's just, if you have a wood stove, at least you have the ability to create heat, right? And of course, if you're in, uh, California, they'll ban chainsaws, but the rest of us still can cut wood. Right. And, uh, so, so time out. I have several wood cutting mechanisms that do not involve a chainsaw and also are beneficial to cardiovascular health. That's true. And I have those too. Yeah. But you can see I'm still a little overweight. So I don't use them. (laughs) You don't look nearly as overweight as you did previous to about two months ago. That's true also. I yeah. did not just say you're overweight. What I said was, you're looking a little gant. That's what I said. Right, right, right. I thin down. I wonder how that happens when you stop eating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, seriously, I have a half a dozen chainsaws. And, honestly, I prefer to use them. It's just you never have time to do it. You always want to be in a hurry. Uh, now, I did yeah, not I- mean chainsaws. I did not mean chainsaws. I mean hand saws. Right, right. So I have, you know, I picked them up at the antique you know, flea markets and things like that, the, the old two-man uh, uh, saw. By the way, that's very interesting is a saw is a special type of uh, steel. And and uh, if the, the supply chain shuts down, you know, we won't be able to make that steel. You just gave me a great idea for a TV segment. Okay. Stopping at antique stores and seeing what traffic is doing in the last six months. Is the traffic increasing at antique stores? I don't think so. You don't think people are paying attention even at that level? Well, it's hard to say, but you know, um, you know, it, it's it's hard to say what 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 all of the patterns are because you haven't you haven't totally disrupted your your patterns. You may have changed them twenty percent, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and eighty twenty. Yeah, and one of the important things to have is as a is a redundancy is a, a set of files, metal files, right? And and the reason why is <clears throat> if you look at almost everything we have, uh, it's either wood or metal. And one of the ways to uh, shape metal is with a filing system. And th- and they're very hard to make. You can't make a in, in general a blacksmith can't make files, right? Because of the type of steel they are. So they will be in short supply. So you're thinking I'm going to saw enough wood that I need to sharpen this chainsaw. That's what you think? No, I think that you should spend the 12 bucks and get a good set of files just in case. (laughs) 
<laughs> That'll do it. We have filed our way through four segments, a full hour with discussion about J.C. Cole. You know, we provide the information. Actually, he provides the information. I just push the buttons. It still falls upon you to act, to prepare yourself for just worst case scenario. How about that? Your family's yep. dependent upon it. Right. All roads. All roads do lead to a roll route.